Welcome to First Unitarian Society of Minneapolis, the birthplace of Congregational Humanism. We carry on that tradition of free thought today, dedicated to promoting a free search for truth, meaning, and justice. Our web address is firstunitarian.org. I'm David Breeden, Senior Minister. Welcome. that follow holidays or holiday weekends, we, in this past year, this COVID year, we've done, uh, David has done what we call question box services. And this is a thing that uh, Unitarian Universalists and perhaps uh, perhaps other denominations do, uh, rather than writing a whole sermon or a talk, you say, all right, I'll take questions. It's not exactly stump the chump, but it's a little like they used to do on uh, the Tappet Brothers, on Click and Clack, right? So you can ask anything. So I said, sure, I'll try that. I like to think on my feet. Uh, and, and since the program that I uh, am responsible for here at First Unitarian Society is the social justice program, I thought, great, we'll do a social justice question box and, and see what questions you might have. So I solicited questions in advance. And guess what? You already know everything you need to know because nobody asks any questions in advance. Or maybe you didn't want to give me time to think about them in advance and you really wanted to stump the chump. So, so that's what we're going to talk about today is the social justice program at First Unitarian Society, how we're involved, how we think about it, what we do here. But also more broadly, what questions you might have about how and why humanists organize for social justice, what, what we think about uh, as we're deciding what projects to get involved in, um, where you might want to put your energy, where you're already putting your energy and want to connect it to the life of this congregation. So, so. That's what we're doing here today. All right. So I'm hopeful that we can make this a chat, that we can uh, have people online and in person who are who are talking about this. Um, over the 140 years of this congregation, First Unitarian Society has been gathered as a congregation for about 140 years, and and our people have put our shoulders to the wheel together put our shoulders to the wheel to make the changes we need for a more just, compassionate, and peaceful world. Always with a focus on human rights and including women's rights, especially the right of women to vote. We had a big contingent in this congregation that worked on suffrage. Um, workers' rights, LGBT, LGBTQ plus rights, anti-war and anti-nuclear weapons campaigns, environmental stewardship, issues of homelessness and economic inequality and reproductive health. All these have been uh, issues that have seen passionate members and friends of First Unitarian Society engaged in systemic change against the status quo. 
One of you recently sent me an article that was in the New York Times, as you are wont to do, sending us things to read and say, oh, you made me think of this, or oh, this sounds like your, your talk for this week. This article in the Times suggested that conservatives report being happier than liberals for a number of reasons. Here's one. Conservatives are more likely than liberals to be happier because of how we think about politics and inequality. For example, two psychologists at NYU have written that the rationalization of inequality the rationalization of inequality, which is a core component, a core component of conservative ideology, helps explain why they are happy. In other words, conservative ideology seeks to explain and be happy with the status quo, where liberals are unhappy with the status quo and we seek to change it. That was one of the things in the article. They talk about a couple of other things. Conservatives are more likely to be involved in faith, family, and, and have wide networks of friends and have work that is they consider meaningful. Where liberals, while we do, and I would argue that those of us in the room are involved in an institution of faith, however we may define that, are not in this room networks of family and friends, and many of us are involved in, in uh, work that we find meaningful, but lots of progressives are more and more isolated. So it's an interesting article, and I'll, I'll uh, see if I can post that later. Okay, that's a lot of preamble. I'm seeing a couple of questions, and I'll come to this. What's the question of the status of the reproductive justice lawsuit. Let me preface by, I'll talk a little bit about the reproductive justice lawsuit, and then we'll see what else we have in here. Okay. So let me talk about the five areas that First Unitarian Society social justice is arranged around. I have a little video that I was going to show, but we don't think that's a good idea, right? We're not going to do it. Our website is being redesigned, and that video is going to come up on our website, so you'll be able to see it. Congregants and staff work across five key areas to help create this change and disrupt the status quo. All right. First is our Active Voices program. Our Active Voices team meets every week. On Tuesdays, they've met throughout the pandemic online. Sometimes they get together now. I'm not sure if you're all doing it online or, or in person now. But on Tuesdays, they get together. Melody, do you know? Okay. Um, as uh, So they get together and they decide what's the most important issue that our elected officials and public policymakers need to hear from us on this week. What's the most important thing that we need to make our voices heard on? And then they package it for all of us. When we were meeting in person, 
and we were having big social hour afterwards, right? We had our mini meal. They had a table in the lower assembly hall when we would all come for coffee hour. Now they provide it in the Friday email, a link that you can click on and say, uh, our senators need to hear from us on this bill that's coming up, or uh, the governor needs to hear from us on this issue, or the com pollution control agency needs to hear. And they say, here's how you get in touch, here's what you say, and here's when you need to do it. Advocacy at your fingertips. And where will you find the information? In the Friday email. Right. And they I believe now they have a new issue about every two weeks. All right. So so you've got some time to do it. I'm just I'm in love with the Active Voices team. They've been uh, doing this since 2017 and um, they are they are faithful folks. I'm just so grateful for their work. OK, next is our Align engagement team. Align is Align Minneapolis is a collaboration of 16 congregations based in the cities, mostly downtown, that work together to address issues of homelessness. We are one of those member congregations. So our Align engagement team meets once a month. They help figure out what is the next most important thing for us to do, whether it's advocacy, whether it's gathering um, supplies for a goods drive, um, whether it's being showing up for a witness event, whether it's doing ad, uh, education, that team helps us be engaged with people who are experiencing homelessness. There are two really important things that Align does that I really want to lift up. One is Align supports what's called street voices of change. These are people who have a lived experience of homelessness. And through Align's support, those folks have a seat at the table where decisions are being made. People with a lived experience of homelessness have a seat at the table where decisions that affect them are being made. Uh, one example is the Shelter Residence Bill of Rights, which got through the Minnesota legislature and is now being worked through a task force so that people who access shelters when they are experiencing homelessness have a bill of rights. Surprising they didn't have that. And FUS participates up the stream with other congregations to help that happen. It's not sexy work, but it's really necessary and super important work. Okay. Okay. Um, next thing that's climate justice team. Our climate justice team gets together once a month and decides what's the next important thing to work on. We work with uh, Minnesota Interfaith Power and Light, Minnesota 350, and other organizations and congregations to band together and say, here's what we can do. Um, we always do something for Earth Day, and we're talking about, we do a book club, we'll be reading the Jane Goodall book, Hope. No, that's not the full title. Jane Goodall's book about hope in February. It's in the Friday email, you'll find it. Climate justice team. Our moving toward equity team 
works with the board and staff and congregants to help amplify and break down bear amplify diversity, inclusion, and equity, and break down barriers to those things, both within our congregation and more broadly. And we're gathering a team that will be at the congregant level and outward facing. Our team right now has been mostly board level and working on things like our policies and our bylaws, where our hidden places of that that are barriers to diversity, inclusion, and equity. Some folks like that wonky work. Some of us uh, are so glad that others do find it a little bit challenging, but it's so important that we do that diversity, inclusion, and equity work. So we're gathering a team of congregants to do the work at the congregant level and then outward facing in our community. And lastly, FUS is a founding member of Unrestrict Minnesota, which is a community-wide uh, ca educational campaign to raise awareness about abortion restrictions in our state. And we are a plaintiff in the lawsuit that challenges those abortion restrictions as unconstitutional. So there's the lawsuit and there's Unrestrict Minnesota that is the education arm of that. So we're a plaintiff in the lawsuit and we're a founding member of the education campaign, right? So that is a long preface to answer the question, where are we with the lawsuit? And I am just gonna pull up an email from our attorney. Uh, we are, our attorney is, is uh, the folks at um, Gender Justice and a group called the Lawyering Project. We have some great news, our lawyer Jess Braverman writes. The court ruled in our favor on the first round of summary judgments, and FUS will remain a plaintiff and can move forward with the religious liberty claim. This is big news. So there is a law in Minnesota that states that fetal tissue that is the result of abortion or miscarriage must be disposed of by burial or cremation. We say that that assumes a level of personhood that we do not adhere to, and it is an affront to our religious liberty. That's our claim about that. We join in on the other, there are seven others, I think, and we join in saying that they shouldn't be on the books and they restrict access and they are uh, unconstitutional. And so the big question was, did we have, it's like a standing question, it's not exactly standing, but could we remain alive? And we can. So we are hopeful that we will go to trial this coming summer and, uh, the, the suit actually uh, is a suit against the governor and the attorney general and the Department of Health, because you got to sue somebody. So that's what we're involved in. Okay, that took me a long time to answer that question. I promise the rest of them I'll have off the top of my head. <laughs> okay, Melody, the question is, do we do anything about food deserts or food banks? 
Not directly. And when folks are interested in donating to a food bank, and when I want to donate to a food bank, I go over to Plymouth Congregational Church, which is just down the way at Nicolette and Franklin. And they have a collection bin for the Groveland food shelf. And so that's connected to the Align Minneapolis work, but we ourselves do not uh, do that. There's not a reason that we couldn't do a collection here if somebody wanted to uh, staff that or organize it and then take it over there. But the Groveland food shelf is where we, where we do that. Thank you for that. Oh yes, someone says the Book of Hope, Survival Guide for Trying Times. That's the Jane Goodall book that we'll be reading for climate justice. Yeah, Sandy. Oh, that's a great question. Sandy asks, where, how did social justice evolve over the years? Where was the kind of the root of having it involved in, in uh, Unitarian Universalism? I think it comes really from our universalist roots. The, would you agree, Paul? Okay. The early universalists were, but believed that all were saved. They certainly came out of the Christian tradition. They were Christians. But rather than believing that some people went to heaven and some people went to hell, and that was already decided ahead of time, like it was the elect, that's an echo of Calvinism, a kind of Protestant Christianity. They believed you're either going to heaven or to hell and you really couldn't do anything about it. The universalists said, we're, we're all saved. There is a God and God is too good to damn any of his children to hell, right? So if we all are saved, we all are worthy of being included in salvation in some great beyond, but also here, right? We're all worthy of all the good things. And so it grew out of that. I think it grows out of humanism in the way of thinking we're all we've got. We are all we've got. We are the ones we've been waiting for. No great um, hand is going to come down and save us. We are not working for some future salvific time. We are working, we are in it together now. And it's up to human beings to solve human problems. So that's how I interpret that. I imagine you could scratch several different UUs and you'd get a different answer, but that's how I, I come with that. Let's see. Ah, here's a question from online. Why aren't we more involved in Palestinian rights work? I think that's a really great question. I think it's a very good question. Why aren't we more involved in Palestinian rights work? It probably on one level is an issue of capacity. What do we have capacity and people who are eager to lead something and eager to help organize something? That's probably part of it. But also, I think there are organizations that are doing good work and how can we plug our members into 
that. So there is a UU, there's a group called UUs for Justice in the Middle East. Um, and also the UU Service Committee does some work, I think, on the ground in Palestine. So if you are interested particularly in getting connected to that work and or if you'd like to try to organize something here at FUS, come talk to me or email me and we can talk about what that might look like. Several of these things that we do have come from people saying, hey, I want to work on climate justice. Hey, I want to work on something else. How can we make that happen? We got loads of room for new ideas and energy to bubble up. I think I would say that. Okay, got that one. Are there other questions in the room? Yeah, that's a great question. What is First Unitarian Society doing about the eighth principle of Unitarian Universalism? First of all, we, well, first let me say that we passed it for this congregation at our annual meeting in May. We affirmed it. So the eighth principle of Unitarian Universalism goes like this. They all start this way. We, the member congregations of the Unitarian Universalist Association, covenant to affirm and promote, that's the beginning of each of the principles, right? Journeying towards spiritual wholeness by working to build a diverse, multicultural, beloved community by our actions that accountably dismantle racism and other oppressions in ourselves and in our institutions. So the easiest part of that is getting it passed. The hard part is how do we implement it and how do we work with other congregations to move it forward? I don't have a quick, clear answer to that. And I wanna say that I think it's an open question. One of the ways we're doing it is through our Moving Toward Equity team. And so this group meets and we've got a resource list and we've worked with the board and on, on these things that are like our bylaws and things like that, kind of nitty gritty internal work. And this group that I'm very hopeful that we can gather both uh, in person and online, however we can do that, of congregants who are eager to work on diversity, inclusion, and equity right? We've done uh, book groups. We've done uh, film groups. We've, we talk about diversity, inclusion, and equity with regularity. I think it's lifetime work. I, I know I can say for myself that I am on a lifetime mission to eradicate the places that white supremacy culture has its hold on me. I can't not, it can't not have a hold on me, right? I grow up, I live in a society that benefits people with white body supremacy. Where is it in my thinking and how do I recognize it so that I can make the change that, that I need to make in the world? Yeah, ah, the question is, have we ever done beloved conversations? We have done it, we've done, uh, two cycles of it. And I think it would be interesting to do it again, though 
I think it works well when we meet in person and I don't know how well it would meet would work when we meet online. What I want to say is uh, watch this space for more information about how we continue building a diverse, multicultural, beloved community by our actions that accountably dismantle racism and other repressions in ourselves, in our institution, in our community. How wide can we go with that? Thank you for that question. Okay, here's a question. Any news about the December 26th luncheon for the Native American Re Remembrance Ride uh, from South Dakota to Mankato? So for many years, uh, this ride has happened, the, the um, Memorial Ride, Dakota 38 plus two Memorial Ride. And we have taken the luncheon for several years that ends that ride. Any news, Shelly? Okay, so I'm gonna go from the end of that uh, forward too, so I can catch up people online. The ride is taking place on December 26th and it will culminate at, at uh, Reconciliation Park at around 10 a.m. On, on that Sunday. The church that usually hosts the luncheon is unable to host this year because the 26th falls on a Sunday and they're using it for their own um, uh, worship and, and assembly and so on. Shelley Schreffler, uh, who has been involved as an organizer with this for many, many years, has let the ride organizers know that we would still like to be involved with um, uh, presenting the luncheon, but I think it's a, a matter of finding a place that can accommodate the people. In, in uh, Before COVID, it was up to 400 people. It was a big family reunion event. And so um, I reckon the information will probably be in the Friday email when we know more. Right. So thank you and keep your your eyes posted. But the but the event is is happening this year. We'll see about the luncheon. Well, this is a lot. And I thank you for um, the opportunity to share some of these thoughts. I am. You can tell I'm passionate about this work. I am so grateful that FUS members and friends use your have decided that the money that you give to this organization, that social justice is important enough that you have a staff person who's organizing this. But the really important thing is that we all do it together, not that you've hired it out, right? But we all do it together. The three ways that I, four ways that I think about the tactics of social justice here are advocacy, making systemic change, education, both educating ourselves and our communities and being really humble about what we know and what we don't know, service, providing direct service and witness, showing up and using our voices and saying, this is where we stand. And if we are far in front and the far progressive edge, the better, I think. And folks can, we can, we can be the leaven that lets other people come into that space. I want to close with a reading that I'm really fond of. This is from, sorry, before I do that, I said I was going to have a call to action. 
there is something for you to do in this social justice program. If you want to be involved in one particular issue, in more than one issue, in uh, if you want more resources for something you're doing on your own, um, if you want to tie what you're doing on your own to your humanism, your Unitarian Universalism, your life in this congregation, boy, that's a conversation I want to have with you. So if you want to be involved and you're not yet, or you already are and you want to do something different, please, please let me know. We need all of us to make the change we need for a more just, compassionate, and peaceful world. These closing words are, are from Teresa Soto. This is a charm for hope. The first thing to do is tie a string around your finger. Remember that you are not alone. Think of the ways that our best shared futures are braided inextricably with your own present and your destiny. The second thing is to untie the string and let the knots and tightness fall away. Let the burden of bleakness roll off your shoulders. Resistance on these pake horizons requires only one source of strength, one ray of light. Remember that persistence doesn't require all the answers up front, only one. Fortunately for all of us, we have one response, to remain together through awkward times and happy ones. We remember and we find our resolve in one another. Thanks for listening. You can find much more about humanism and what's happening at First Unitarian Society in Minneapolis by visiting our website at firstunitarian.org.